Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short and I'm joined here by Drew Silva. Drew, it's safe to say that business is finally starting to pick up in the early days of spring training. Yep. Um, you know, these are kind of supposed to be evergreen podcasts where you can listen to them at, at any time, but it's good to finally get spring training games underway uh, here in a couple days. Um, and we, we've got a few more ranking list to do i think i'm pretty proud of the first two podcasts we've done i think there's a lot of valuable information in there even just preparing for these podcasts i think has helped me find some values and identify guys who i think are gonna might might bust yeah um, definitely. i think i think it, yeah, i think it's some of the best stuff we've done honestly on this podcast yeah i mean last year uh you know if you listen for a while we did uh sort of team by team episodes which i think are really helpful to provide context as well um, but we got a lot of feedback on sort of these rankings episodes and getting ready for the season from a fantasy perspective. So that's really the angle we wanted to to push this spring. Uh, we're going to do future episodes on breaking down mock drafts and actual drafts. So kind of really focusing on the fantasy baseball angle of things. Now, as far as this week, we've seen uh, some big signings. J.D. Martinez, Eric Hosmer, uh, 100 million plus deals for each of them. Uh, now we already covered outfielders and first basemen and first baseman in our previous rankings episodes. I don't think these signings really change anything as far as our rankings with those. I think the educated guesses were kind of where they ended up ultimately. Pretty fair to say. Yeah, I think I put like a ninety-eight percent on Martinez signing with the Red Sox, and you know there there just didn't seem to be any more competition for Hosmer than the Padres. I guess the Royals made a push, but it sounds like their their final offer to him was five years, and he wound up getting eight years in San Diego. So, yeah, I mean, I think we we, we both figured he'd wind up there probably. Yeah, I think you know J D Martinez a clear top ten outfielder, Hosmer a clear top ten first baseman, maybe lacking in the upside department. So I don't think the signing really changes anything there as far as that's concerned. Uh, the other side of the J.D. Martinez situation, the Diamondbacks, they pivoted to signing Gerard Dyson, and they traded for Steven Souza from the Rays. Um, so it seems like the arrow is pointing up a little bit for Souza, but what's interesting is the arrow is really pointing down there for uh, Yasmani Tomas. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know where he would get playing time. Yeah. You know, he he was a third baseman in Cuba, but that's I think they tried that for a very short time, and it, and he just he can't play defense really anywhere. Um, I'm, the best case for Tomas's value is that he gets traded this spring 
to an AL team. I think the White Sox would make a lot of sense. But then again, that's a big contract. Yeah. Um, the one that the Diamondbacks, the old Diamondbacks regime signed with them out of Cuba, what, two, three years ago. So I, I don't know. That might be tough to move. They'll probably have to eat some salary if they really want to move him. Otherwise, he's, you know, a $13 million bench bet. And yeah, I'm, I'm the fantasy outlook on him just has to be almost dead at this point if he stays in Arizona and, and there aren't injuries. Right. Yeah. I mean, I had Tomas in my top 60 outfielders. He's obviously knocked off at this point. I thought Malik Smith would have an opportunity with the Rays after, you know, we saw Corey Dickerson get designated for assignment as well. Souza traded, but uh, the Rays reportedly have signed Carlos Gomez. Yeah. I mean, Gomez isn't very durable and, and Denard Span, you know, isn't is, is old. So I think Smith is still in line to get a lot of playing time. I still think he's a pretty good speed sleeper. Yeah. As I tweeted, I mean, he's still 88. We talked about it in our outfielder episode, but he's still 88 bases in one minor league season. Um, has, I think, 33 steals in a hundred something career major league games. So I think I mean, a late round speed option guy you take a flyer on who's in a situation where there's a rebuilding team and he could be thrust into a lot of playing time. I, I still kind of like him as a sleeper. So we're going to jump into the rankings now. Um, last week we covered catchers and outfielders. The week before that we did first baseman and second baseman. You can go back and check our archives to listen to those. Today we're moving on to shortstops and third baseman. Before we dig into that though, just a reminder the Roto World Baseball Draft Guide magazine is available in stores now. There's also the online version which will be constantly updated throughout spring training to reflect all these recent moves. We've never had this much activity at the start of a spring training, but We'll have you covered there. The online guide, it's really loaded with everything you need to get ready for your fantasy draft. Projections, detailed player profiles, average draft position data, articles on sleepers, busts, our top 100 prospects, mock draft analysis, much, much more. Uh, You'll get a serious head start on your competition. So go to rotorworld.com to check that out. Again, we're going to do shortstops and third baseman for this episode. And we're going to start with shortstops and Similar to previous weeks, we're, I'm just going to read off my top 12 and we'll just move the conversation from there. So uh, number one, I have Trey Turner, uh, two, Carlos Correa, three, Francisco Lindor, four, Alex Bregman, five, Corey Seager, six, Elvis Andrews, seven, Gene Segura, eight, Xander Bogarts, nine, Trevor Story, 10, Javier Baez, 11, D.D. Gregorius, and 12, what the hell? I just went to Addison Russell at 12. <laughs> <laughs> he is kind of a what the hell. Yeah, he um, is. At this point, he is. Yeah, I mean, just starting it off with Trey Turner, he's on the cover of the, the Roto World Draft Guide magazine that hit stores in early February. I think we're all really high on him here. Um, even though you know he's had some bad luck on the health front, it's kind of prevented him from having a true breakout into, into becoming a household name, I think, around the country. But in his 171 games since the beginning of the 2016 season, he's hit 24 home runs and stolen 79 bases. Um, so there's just absolutely monstrous fantasy upside there. He'll be the number two hitter in the Nationals lineup. Can do amazing damage if he just stays off the disabled list. Yeah, I mean, he stole 46 bases last season in just 98 games. So, I mean, it's you know it's dangerous to sort of extrapolate for 162 or whatever, but... I mean, we could be talking 60 steals um, and 100-plus runs scored. I mean, he could be a fantasy monster, and there's a reason he's going so high in uh, early mock drafts that we're seeing. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's really any doubt he's going to be 
a top shortstop on the board this spring, uh, probably a top five pick in, in standard mixed league drafts. Yeah, I'm higher on Trevor's story than you. I had him sixth. I think you had him ninth, you said. Right, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, he has a lot of real-life flaws. Uh, strikes out a ton, 239 average, 308 on base percentage in 145 games last year. But, I mean, if I think he can improve those rate stats. In 2018, he was a better hitter than that in the minors. And, and the power upside is obviously immense at Coors Field. Projects to bat fifth, possibly clean up in the Rockies lineup right behind you know Charlie Blackman, DJ LeMahieu, Nolan Arnato. Um so I, I'm I'm pretty high on him. I think I think the power will be there. Yeah, well, he had such a weird year because he had uh, a 3.32 BABIP, but he still hit just 2.39. And, uh, yeah, uh, that's because of the strikeout rate, and he also hits a ton of fly balls. So I, I mean, we can't overlook the power potential he has there. I mean, we could be talking about someone who has 30 plus homers, double digit steals, maybe drives in 100 runs, uh, but he'll drag you down with the batting average. So. Uh, that's kind of why I had him a little bit lower, but I, I definitely see the appeal with him. And something we should say about this shortstop list, uh, there's no Manny Machado on here. We're going to include him among our third basemen. Um, now, of course, he's going to play shortstop this season for the for the Orioles, so he's going to get that eligibility. If he did have shortstop eligibility, I think I'd, I personally, I would put him second um, right before Correa and Lindor on my list. But I think all three of them are really close. Yeah, I'm good with that. Um, where, did you where'd you have Alex Bregman fourth? I have him fourth. Yeah. Okay. So did I. Um, you know, he'll mostly play third base this season for the Astros, but has that eligibility at shortstop in most formats because he made 21 starts and 30 appearances at short last season. While partly while Carlos Correa recovered from that torn ligament in his uh, left thumb, I think all signs point to. Bregman putting up huge numbers this year. Um, great team around him. Great ballpark for right-handed power at Minute Maid Park. Had an 827 OPS with 19 home runs and 17 stolen bases last season at age 23. Changed his diet. Uh, doesn't eat cheeseburgers or pizza anymore <laughs> from the article that I read. Um, I, I just I think the sky's the limit on how good of a player he's going to be, and the situation is incredible. Yeah, I mean, Bregman actually had a slow first half last year, but had 11 homers and a 903 OPS during the second half. Mostly batted second in the second half. So, I mean, hey, in that lineup hitting yeah. second mm-hmm. for a full season, you know, there's monster potential there. And uh, I think just kind of the speed that he gives you really across the board uh, production, I think that's ultimately what separates him from Corey Seager, who I had fifth. Yeah, I had, I had Seager fifth, and, and, I, and I agree that's – Kind of, the, I mean, I like them both a lot. You, you know, this whole this whole position is is filled with young, exciting talent. I really struggled to come up with any busts. Um, I, I mean, there's just not there's just so much young upside. I guess Troy Tulowitzki, if he's even on the radar for anyone here in 2018, yeah, would be I, a bust. <laughs> I think at this point, I I think in a standard mixed league, he's probably not on the radar now. You know what I mean? Yep. I think he's just. I, way too unreliable um he wasn't in my top 20 if that puts it in context for people i think that's probably fair to say um but i I think we should talk a little bit more about and there because there was some disagreement in our staff rankings uh correa and lindor um now correa was on his way to a monster season last year but as you said uh he missed about six weeks with that torn thumb ligament um, but he still had a really good year. 24 homers, 84 RBIs, 82 runs scored in 109 games. 
still just 23 years old. And again, same factors as Bregman. Awesome lineup and situation. Now with Lindor, he really surprised everyone last year. He hit 33 home runs. Um, and he had 27 over his previous 257 games in the majors. So really a huge power spike for him. And I don't know if you've seen pictures of Lindor this spring. Have you seen what he looks like? No. He is jacked. Yeah. I don't know what he did during the offseason, but he's massive. And I, I coming into doing these rankings, I was sort of like, you know, I'm not sure if I could bank on 33 homers again. I was kind of setting my expectations for low 20s, mid 20s, something like that. But now I'm not so sure. He He's huge. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Between Correa and Lindor, I, it's almost like coin flip. Like you said, I mean, you can talk yourself into the idea that Lindor, maybe that season, maybe he regresses from it. But I just think he's a really special player. I don't I don't know that he will. Correa is probably a little more proven, um, you know, out, outside of the kind of durability issues, which are really just freak injuries. Um, I don't know. They're both they're both awesome. I, we had the we had the same top five. Um, That's right. Yep. And so so I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm on board with with what you think on these guys. I, I love the entire top five. Yeah, and I think I, the best is still to come for Correa. I don't think we've seen really his like anything close to his peak season yet. Yeah, I mean, he was trending toward that last year. Right. I mean, finished with a 315 batting average, 941 OPS. Could have been a 35 homer guy. I mean, he he only played 109 games and still hit, you know, 24 homers and had 84 RBIs. He could have been an MVP. Someone who could have been an MVP candidate as well, Elvis Andrews. He kind of came out of nowhere last year. Uh, yeah, hit 20 homers, and and this was after never hitting more than eight home runs in a season before. Like. Really shocked everyone. Also had career highs in RBIs and runs scored. Stole 25 bases. Hit 297. I mean, this is someone who was basically a top fantasy shortstop last year. And I have a number six because I just love all the guys ahead of him too much. Yeah, item seventh. Um, you know, he had a strong slash line in 2016 just without some of the counting stats. So I'm kind of a believer that the rise is real. Um, it's I feel like it's the breakout season that we've been waiting for, you know, for the last five six years um i think he's a good player yeah i mean he he kind of switched up his his swing he kind of has a, a leg kick now um which has you know helped add some of that power um so i do believe in it to an extent i'd probably set my expectations for 10 15 home runs rather than 20 again but still a useful across the board contributor and uh i think he should be no reason to think he can't continue to be helpful especially considering the ballpark and the lineup yeah. Xander Bogarts was a disappointment last season. Super um, frustrating, of, man. Yeah, a lot of people drafted him high. I was a victim of that in a couple of leagues. Uh, saw drop-offs in almost every fantasy category, but stolen bases. But if he does bounce back, and, and there's plenty of reason to think he will at age 25, he could be a huge value given where he might fall in some drafts this spring. I mean, his numbers from 2016 were amazing. 21 homers, 89 RBIs, 13 stolen bases. And 115 runs scored, also batted 294. We both like that J.D. Martinez has been added to that Red Sox lineup. We'll see how long Hanley Ramirez stays in the number three hole. They say that's where he's going to hit to open the year, but I'd imagine he's going to drop. So maybe Bogarts, I don't know, finds himself in a better spot in the lineup. I, I think there's a lot of, you know, almost post-hype value with him. Yeah, I mean, I could see maybe Betts eventually moving into the middle, Ben Intendi you know, moving up to the number one spot, maybe Bogarts goes into number two. There's lots of things they could do there with that lineup. 
Um, but he's just been so all over the place. Like he, he had seven mm-hmm. home runs in 2015, 21 in 2016, back down to 10 home runs last year. So you understand why he's kind of sliding on the board a little bit, but he also was hampered by a wrist issue during the second half last year. So hopefully off season arrest will help him out. And you couldn't ask for a better situation for a rebound. So he could actually be a pretty nice value pick. Yeah, talking about some more kind of mid to lower tier values at the shortstop position, Marcus Simeon has been available really late in the drafts I've done so far, like talking about the final few rounds even. Um, He missed nearly three months last season because of a fractured wrist, but in the 85 games he did appear in for the A's, he had 10 home runs and 12 stolen bases. Pull that out to uh, 162 games, and that's a 2020 season, 20 homers and 23 steals. Um, I'm, I think the A's lineup, I've said this, I think on every podcast, I think it'll be better than people are expecting it to be. Um, so if he, if he's a guy you can get late, even as your starter at short or someone you plug into your middle infield spot, I'd be pretty happy with that. I think as far as counting stats, he could be a good value. Probably, uh, if you're in a shallow league, you're probably not going to draft him. He's probably someone who'll be on the waiver wire. Uh, maybe someone who could fit in a middle infield spot in a in a deeper league, but I do think there's value uh, in his counting stats. Um, as for somebody I'm really optimistic about this year, D.D. Gregorius, I have him 11th. Um, you had him 14th. Um, he's had 20 homers in back-to-back years. The fly ball rate continues to go up, and that's a, a good thing with the short porch uh, at Yankee Stadium and that lineup. And another factor about him, he could hit cleanup or fifth. Uh, in the Yankees lineup, I mean, come on, that's really awesome <laughs> value, and he's someone who's probably going to be have a pre, pretty reasonable price tag on draft day. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I don't really have an argument against it. Glaber Torres is going to take his job. That's my argument. I mean, they, they it. no, I know it's not going to. I mean, kidding. he could fit at second base, but after they yeah. added Brandon Drury to the mix, like I think they have options. Like if if they want to give Torres more time in the minors, if they want to give Miguel Andahar more time in the minors, they they have that flexibility now. Um, but yeah, I, I really like Gregorius. Uh, just cause about context, really. Um, but yeah, I, I feel good about him going into this season. And as I said, I put Addison Russell 12th, but I do not feel good about it at all. Um, I really don't know what to say about him at this point. He's been a disappointment so far. Dealt with plantar fasciitis last year, so he fell to 12 homers and 43 RBIs in 110 games. 240 career hitter over 403 games in the majors. So I'll admit my ranking is sort of figuring in things we, we really haven't seen yet. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I had him 13th. I could totally see him, you know, having a really good year, really coming into his own. But he's someone that I probably won't draft, um, just because I, I, I don't. I'm just not convinced yet. Um, Orlando Arcia is, is someone that I think. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty high on leading into 2018. Has some things in common with Francisco Lindor, I think. Um, rushed to the majors because of, of the glove work was major league ready early on. And I think might not, might now be ready to take that Lindor like jump offensively, probably not quite to that level. You know, he's not gonna hit 33 home runs, but I bet we see significant improvement across the board. Um, it started already last year. He batted 295 with a 791 OPS, 11 home runs and 10 steals over his final 89 games. He's been considered an elite talent ever since the Brewers signed him as a teenager out of Venezuela, made his MLB debut at age 21, now entering 
his age 23 season, I, I think we could see this, this is the year where he might pop. I agree. Uh, I think if there's anybody who could make that leap um, mm-hmm. from that tier, kind of the guys that I had 12 to 20, I had Tim Anderson in there, Jose Peraza, Andleton Simmons, Chris Owings, uh, Paul DeYoung, Marcus Semien. Uh, if there's anybody who can make that leap into that top 12, I think R.C. is a pretty good bet. Yeah, Marwin Gonzalez, uh, not to be overlooked, batted 303 with a 907 OPS, 23 homers, 90 RBIs, and, and only 134 games last season for the World Series champion Astros. Probably won't see him at shortstop very much this year, but he does that. that he does have that eligibility in most formats because he made 33 starts there in 2017 as part of the, the fill-in while Correa was sidelined. Yeah, I'm I'm down with that as well. Uh, it looks like he's mostly going to play left field. Um, I'm curious what will happen with Derek Fisher. Um, if he shows he's capable of producing at the major league level, maybe Gonzalez goes more into that super utility role. Um, so in a shallow mixed league, you know that could be frustrating to deal with. I think once you get past these top twelve options, and I'm including Manny Machado in this, so. You get into that area where a lot of these guys are going to be, you know, guys you pick up off the waiver wire when they're going through a hot streak, and then you might drop them, that kind of thing. And you're just kind of waiting for that next guy to jump in uh, to make the jump to the next level. I think Arcea stands out as someone who could. Tim Anderson is someone who ran a lot down the stretch last year, and if he continues doing that, I think he has serious mixed league potential. Obviously, a flawed player. Uh, you look at the approach. Definitely a work in progress. Um, so, you know, I think there's going to be peaks and valleys for him as well, but he's another guy I could see making a leap this year. You mentioned Chris Owings, who got a bump for me when the Diamondbacks traded Brandon Drury to the Yankees. Um, less competition for playing time at second base. Probably won't. Well, I'll play a little little bit at shortstop with Keto Marte and probably some outfield too. But, I mean, I've always liked Owings as a player. Uh, needed two surgeries last year on his fractured middle finger, but – Still had 12 homers and 12 stolen bases in 97 games while he was healthy. I think you could do worse taking a late round flyer or 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 put him on your deep league roster as you know maybe as a middle infield guy, or maybe just a bench stash. Um, you know, there, there's a chance that he he could have a nice year if, with a lot more playing time and, and better health. Someone you got to see a lot last year. I mean, I saw some of them too, but you probably saw him on a more regular basis. Uh, Paul DeYoung, you know, lots of power, but. Another guy with a flawed approach. What do we think about him in 2018? Yeah, he was a, a, one other person that I, besides Tulo, that I put kind of in my busts category. But I don't really have a good reasoning behind it. I mean, finished second in the National League Rookie of the Year voting last season behind Cody Bellinger. Put up 25 homers and 65 RBIs in his first 108 Major League games with the Cardinals. That's a 38 homer, 98 RBI pace over 162 games. I mean, he's not going to keep that up in 2018, but even something slightly close would be pretty massive from a shortstop who you're going to get late in the draft. I don't, I, I mean, I, I don't think he'll be overdrafted, which is why I can't really call him a bust. Yeah, I mean, um, shortstop's a lot deeper than it used to be. We can at least say uh, that. Oh yeah, definitely. So I, I, I mean, I, there's reason to like him. I, I just, I wouldn't pay for what he did last year, but if you can get him late and and hope that he's that guy, then been great looking a little bit deeper at the position uh jorge polanco with the twins i think he's a little interesting tim beckham uh with the orioles uh, he's going to play third base with manny machado playing shortstop he put up some useful counting stats last season 
Ahmed Rosario with the Mets, somebody to watch. Um, again, another guy who could use a lot of work with his approach at the plate, but he can really run, and he showed more pop than I expected in his first stint in the majors last season. He didn't make my top 20, but he's someone in, as far as counting stats, he could jump into there fairly easily. I could see that happening this year. J.P. Crawford's going to get a chance with the Phillies as their starting shortstop, but I'm not expecting much right away from a fantasy perspective, probably more of an NL-only guy. Um, and then there's some veterans as Drupal Cabrera, kind of steady. Uh, you know, here and there, he might have mixed league value. Zach Kozart had a really good year last year. He's going to play third base for the Angels. He's someone in deeper mixed leagues I could see being a factor. Yeah, I think we should touch on Jose Peraza, who I had 12th. Um was essentially a bust last year. You know, batted 324 with 21 steals over his first 72 games with the Reds in 2016. Um, and then, you know, a 297 on base percentage last year. Still had 23 steals, though, even with that low OBP. Has never hit for much power, but, you know, great American ballpark can, can help that cause a little. I think, you know, he's a nice late round grab for speed, and then you can just hope the other elements of his game come around. Um, you know, he was a big prospect at one point. I think he's in a pretty good situation. The Reds don't have much, so you have to think that they're going to give him a pretty long leash on playing time and hope he figures it out. One interesting thing I saw about coming out of Reds camp this week is their prospect, Nick Senzel. Um, he's a third base prospect, but they're giving him a work at shortstop this spring, and he's been working with Barry Larkin on the transition to shortstop. Um, so it should be interesting to follow that story, see how he makes that transition. And if he makes it comfortably, I kind of wonder about how quick his path to the majors could be. Uh, he put up some really awesome numbers last year in the minors, but I think you're right. If you're looking for a deep, uh, or if you're looking for a late speed option, I think Peraz is a great one, but I think you're mostly going after the speed and whatever you get beyond that is just really bonus. Yeah, I think the Senzel talk is a good excuse to move on to third base Yes, if you're ready. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, go for it. All right, it. here's my top 12. Number one, Nolan Arenado. Two, Manny Machado. Three, Chris Bryant. Four, Josh Donaldson. Five, Anthony Rendon. Six, Joey Gallo. Seven, Justin Turner. Eight, Miguel Sano. Nine, Nicholas Castellanos. Ten, Travis Shaw. Eleven, Kyle Seeger. 12, Mike Moustakis. Yeah, Mike Moustakis. <laughs> What's going to happen I, with that guy? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, at this point, I, I, generally, I genuinely do not know where he's going to sign. It's very perplexing. Um, I thought it would happen with the Yankees, but that doesn't really make any sense anymore. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, So let's go to the top of the board. Uh, Nolan Arenado, class of the position, I think, safe to say. In Coors Field, consistency galore has had at least 37 homers, 130 RBIs, and 97 runs scored in each of the last three seasons, has hit at least 287 in each of the last four seasons. So, I mean, he's a proven stud, and I think uh, probably a top five pick in mixed leagues at this point. Yep, I mean, gives you a huge advantage in, in home runs and RBIs. Um, I think Machado is, you know, had, had, a, had a good second half last year. There's the narrative that this is going to be his contract year, and He'll be playing for a $300 million contract. I think the Orioles will trade him at some point. Um, and moving out of Camden Yards can maybe hurt his power some, but he's, he's probably going to move to a contending team and, and bat in the, the heart of their order, and I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Um, 
Chris Bryant you know, had a better batting average and on base percentage in 2017 that he did in his MVP season in 2016. Just had some tough luck with runners in scoring position, um, which is always a small sample size, you know, measurement. Right. Uh, and there, there was a drop in homers, which also helped him to, to lower that RBI total. But I think he's a great bat bet for a bounce back in both home runs and RBIs in, in 2018. It'll be his age 26 season. The Cubs should be loaded again. Um, pretty high on him. Yeah, I wouldn't get hung up on the RBI total at all. Um, yeah, I, I expect that to bounce back and I'd, I'd feel pretty safe about Bryant. I had Machado higher than Bryant, but I think you could really go either way. Uh, I just think that Machado, you look at uh, last year, even though the the Overall numbers and the rate stats weren't particularly high. With Machado, the exit velocity and the hard hit rate were right there among the best in the league. So I have a lot of confidence that Machado is going to bounce back. And as you said, there is the narrative about the walk year. He's going to be motivated. Uh, so I feel good about Machado, Bryant. But you could go either way with them, honestly. Yep. Josh Donaldson, who I had fourth, uh, went on a ridiculous tear over the final two months of the 2017 season. Uh, 1.108 OPS, 22 home runs, and 47 RBIs over his final 50 games. Um, he's an impending free agent, too. Might get traded by the Blue Jays at some point this year, possibly to a less power-friendly environment than Toronto's Rogers Center. But like like with Machado, I think probably to the heart of the order on a contending team, I, I think should be in line to do, things, to do big things no matter what. Um, I guess age is more of a factor with him than, than some other guys on this list, but I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I think uh, what our first rankings episode, I was sort of dismissing the Blue Jays and kind of throwing them them into that rebuilding category, but they're definitely trying to compete this year. So I wonder if they would even trade Donaldson. I, I kind of think they're going to try to play it out, but I guess we'll see. Well, I, I mean, goes. like I'm... I think by by the the trade deadline, the Yankees and Red Sox will will be way above them. But right. may, I don't know. May, maybe they'll be in the wild card mix. Yeah, I mean, there's we so saw, many teams like sort of tanking right now that that who knows who you know. I think it might not take much to be in that wild card mix. You're right. I mean, we've seen that in the last two years for sure. Yeah. Um, Joey Gallo, I'm really high on. I had him sixth. Where did you have him? I have him eighth. Okay. Um, yeah, slugged 41 home runs in 145 games last season. I feel like he did that really quietly too, somehow. (laughs) Well, the Rangers were, were kind of quiet because they just weren't very good. Um, well, they, they were kind of in the the second wildcard mix until really the final month, which was weird. I think it's mostly the batting average thing. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, I get it 209 last year, 201 for his career, but 41 homers in 145 games, and out of those 145 games, only 135 of them were starts. He's now locked in as the Rangers' regular first baseman. They're not going to jockey him around the field. You know, they tried him at third base and left field, and maybe they'll try the third base thing again once Adrian Beltre retires. But I mean, I, I think we can project him for 150 plus starts at first, and so probably even more homers than he hit in 2017. He could be a 45 homer guy in, in that small ballpark. The batting average is, you know, it's going to bring you down. But we did see some improvement in the strikeout rate last year from where it was over his first two partial seasons in the majors and wouldn't also take, at AAA. Wouldn't take much. Wouldn't take much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I mean, there, there's big power there. I, I think the RBIs will be better than they were. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think he's going to hit 45 to 50 homers. It's all about how you balance your lineup. You know what I mean? Sure. Like you're yep. you're going to take a hit batting average, but you know if you can balance your lineup strategically, 
um, I think you can live with it. Certainly, I mean, nobody's going to complain about forty plus homers. So I just I think there's a drop from in, on, at third base, and you're, there's still good players. I mean, there's good players down to number twenty, but just from like the Donaldsons and rent, you know, the the Arenados, Machados, Bryant's, Donaldson, Rendon. I think there's a drop there, and I think Gallo is the best of the next tier. I think that's fair to say. I think we're kind of in that next tier looking for guys who, as we said previously, could make that leap um, as far as a tier among third basemen because there's Nicholas Castellanos, Raphael Devers, uh, Miguel Sano, and there's some uncertainty about all of those guys, I think probably fair to say. Yeah, I'm a little lower on Justin Turner than I think some of the other folks on the Roto World Baseball staff. He ranked near the top of the National League in batting average throughout last season proved that his, you know, 20 to 25 homer power was legit. And, you know, the, the, the Dodgers are going to be stacked again, the reigning NL champs, they'll, they'll put good hitters around him, but he's logged just 500 plus at bats just once in his career. This will be his age 33 season. He dealt with hamstring and quad injuries last year. There've also been calf and intercoastal issues in the past. And part of the reason he has only one 150 game 500 at bat season is because he was a very much like a, a late bloomer, notably non-tendered by your Mets four yeah, years I'm ago. Yeah, I'm familiar with this Justin Turner. Okay, yeah, at, uh, at age 28. Um, but I, I think the durability is a legitimate question mark, and, and I just I just like the upper tier third baseman a little bit better from an upside standpoint, Gallo included. Yeah, I mean, my, I, I yeah. have uh, Rendon and Turner five and six because I see them as very similar hitters. Um, they, I think they each had more walks and strikeouts last season. I mean, they're really good hitters, but there's a separation as far as age there. I think Rendon has more upside. No doubt Turner's a good hitter, but I think the durability concerns you mentioned are legitimate. But, you know, it's one of those things if you could draft a corner, a third baseman who could fit in a corner infielder spot to cover yourself, and you'd still get those stats for when Turner does play. So I still had him six because going down that list, I had questions about Pretty much everyone, Gallo, Castellano, Sano, etc., as, as we'll probably get into. Yeah, Rendon, I, I love as a player, just really good all around, like you said, and defensively too. Experienced that age 26, 27 breakout last season, putting up career best in batting average on base percentage and slugging percentage, 25 homers, 100 RBIs. I, I think he could hit for more power this year at age 27, 28. Um, and it doesn't get as much publicity as Bryce Harper's looming free agency after this season, but Rendon's scheduled to hit the open market after 2019 and is likely poised for a massive payday if he keeps up this kind of value with the defense and the offense. Yeah, I think he's one of the most underappreciated players in baseball. Uh, I mean, you're on the same team as Bryce Harper and Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, etc. You're not going to get a ton of attention. Um, but man, he's, he's just a really, really good player. Uh, I've always enjoyed watching him hit, uh, but yeah, really underappreciated guy. Castellanos too, kind of in this, in this second tier, um, had a career high, 26 homers, 36 doubles and 101 RBIs last season. His career had, had kind of been building to that sort of output. And I don't think he's really reached his ceiling yet as a hitter, you know, was a huge prospect. Um, maybe the Tigers' offense as a whole will be less potent. That's probably a guarantee because the, the team's rebuilding. But there are some players that can't really move, like Miguel Cabrera, um, who he's probably going to hit in front of or right behind um, in, in the lineup, hit, hit third and fourth down the stretch last season. So I think there's, the RBI opportunities will still be there, maybe not 100. Maybe we shouldn't project them that high. But 
you know, above 80, I would say. He made the move from third base to right field last September with Jamer Candelario taking over at third. And the switch to a less demanding defensive position seemed to help Castellanos' offensive output. Maybe that's narrative street, but in his 23 games after moving to right field, he batted 371 with a 1.083 OPS. Yeah, I mean, what was interesting about Castellanos in our staff rankings, we polled our whole staff for different positions, um, it was all over the place. Castellanos was as high as fifth among third basemen and as low as 18th. So I think you and I both kind of split the middle and we put him ninth. I think that's probably fair to say. Um, Contact rate improving, always hits the ball super hard. If you look at exit velocity, hard hit rate, he's among the league leaders. So uh, I think there could be some further growth with him. Um, Someone we need to talk about, uh, Miguel Sano. Um, I would have had him higher, but uh, he's coming off surgery for the stress reaction in his leg. He's apparently put on a bunch of weight I saw this afternoon. And, of course, he's also um, was accused of sexual assault, so he could face a suspension from Major League Baseball. So a lot of factors going on with Sano right now. Yeah, Twins GM Thad Levine said he reported to camp with a generous carriage, which is, I think, generous. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just calling him fat, basically. And, And the pictures, I mean, he looks like me. (laughs) (laughs) and it's understandable a little bit because he was unable to do some conditioning this winter because he had that he had to rest that stress reaction that that's true you know cost him a bunch of weeks down the stretch and also the american league wildcard game against the yankees um but you think you'd think that he could eat a little better and, and keep some of that weight off right like you said there's the sexual assault investigation still ongoing as we record here um, my guess is he's going to face some kind of suspension because yeah. those, you know, that, that, that photographer's allegations seem pretty legit and, credible, and she yeah. said she's going to cooperate. And mm-hmm. so I think it'll be, I don't know, I don't want to speculate, but 10 games to 15 games, maybe longer. Um, it, so Noah has great power and, and I think he could do some real damage in the middle of that twins lineup, but there are just so many uncertainties there. Um, where do I have him ranked? I dropped him down a, a below Justin Turner from, from where, when we filed our staff rankings. And I might rank him a little bit lower depending on what happens this spring. He does have some time to get in better shape, especially if, if he has that suspension, he'll have another maybe two, three weeks to, to get in even better shape. Um, I don't know. It, it depends where he falls into a draft. Um, yeah. I mean, if someone's – I think it's one of those situations where as the spring plays out, We'll have a better idea about where he's going to be drafted. But as of right now, I'd probably say I wouldn't draft him, most likely. Yeah, I, I would probably avoid him. But then again, I don't know. If he, if he falls to a certain spot, if he gets in better shape, you could see him in putting up a lot of homers and RBIs. That's true. Um, let's move on to happier subjects. Yes. <laughs> I ranked uh, Eugenio Suarez as my number 13 third baseman. So just out of my top 12 that I read earlier. But... I think, honestly, I'd feel pretty comfortable if he wound up as my starter in, like, a standard fantasy league. Um, made, made some tangible progress as a hitter last year. It was actually very good defensively, too. Four-point wins above replacement. Um, part of the reason the Reds are, are, are trying top prospect Nick Senzel at both second base and shortstop this spring, as we talked about earlier, um, had a career-high 26 homers and 82 RBIs in 156 games last season. Also a career-high 367 on base percentage and 820 OP. 828 OPS. I think part of those tangible upgrades that he made as a hitter. 
Um, hitting in a great park for power right behind Joey Votto in that Cincinnati lineup. I think he should get a little more love than he does, maybe even from me. Yeah, I think he's an underrated contributor at third base, and I, I wasn't expecting them to do that with Senzel, but hey, I mean, I, I think they're definitely a believer in what Suarez is doing, and if it gets Senzel to the majors faster, I, hey, I'm all about that, and Senzel is someone that I'd be keeping an eye on this year, even in standard mixed leagues. Um, I think he's a pretty exciting prospect. Um, we mentioned this when you uh, listed your top 12 third baseman, but um, just to seriously get into Mike Moustakis for a second here, the logical fits are kind of hard to come by at this point. Uh, you did mention the Yankees. They seem out at this point after acquiring, acquiring Brandon Jury in that three-way deal. Um, so I've heard some kind of whisperings, but I don't know if there's anything legitimate to it. I've heard White Sox and Cardinals. Do any of those make sense to you? Um, not really. <laughs> I mean, with the Cardinals, they have Jed Jerko, who is honestly kind of the same player as Mike Moustakis at this point. Mm-hmm. Maybe Moustakis's defense improves as he gets further away from that knee injury, but it wasn't very good last year. And so he's just kind of a power guy. And Jerko hit at the same rate of power as Moustakis last year, even with Moustakis breaking the Royals' single-season home run franchise, you know, franchise record. Um, I don't know. Maybe you can speak to the White Sox fit better than I can. But maybe it's just one of those things where they flip them at midseason. Yeah, sign them to like a a high dollar one year deal or yeah. with that with an option for 2019. Yeah, exactly, and it's a great ballpark for power. Um, so he could benefit from spending a half season there. Um, and they would have room for him. So I could see that, but that's I mean, obviously that wouldn't wouldn't be what he had in mind going into the off season. That's for sure, but. Um, it's like I said, it's getting harder and harder to see a fit for him at this point. Yeah. Um, moving further down our list into like some, some hidden values. I think Matt Chapman of the A's might be one. I talk a lot about the A's on these rankings podcasts, but, um, he he struggled badly in, in the first two weeks after arriving in Oakland last June and making his major league debut, but he hit two home runs in his 13th major league game and then went on to post an 837 OPS with 14 home runs over the final 72 games of the 2017 season. In the time he spent at the AAA level between 2017 and, and the year before, he had an 894 OPS and 23 homers in 67 games. Um, so I mean, he was you know, a legit prospect when he was drafted, has done nothing but rake at, at, at all levels, really. And I think he'll go really late in drafts considering the possible upside. Yeah, I think he could hit 25, 30 homers. He plays an awesome third base. Mm-hmm. He's already one of the best defensive third basemen in the majors. Um, I think the batting average would probably be middling. I'd, I'd settle for like 250 or something like that. Um, but I think he could definitely hit a cheap 25, 30 homers, no doubt about that. Um, two guys I wanted to ask you about, veteran third baseman who we're used to seeing in that upper tier, Adrian Beltre and Evan Longoria. Where did you have them in your rankings? I had Beltre 17th and Longoria 19th. Okay. I had Beltre um, 14th and Longoria 18th, so kind of similar. Yeah. I mean, Beltre, like, why not? Why, why can't he produce offensively? He, he did it last year when he was healthy. You know, the, the worry is durability, obviously. He's a 38-year-old going on 39-year-old third baseman. Um, I mean, yeah, he's a guy that I would draft and then just hope he stays healthy because he'll produce if he does. Yeah, just kind of give yourself insurance. You know, draft somebody else fairly close. Probably safe to say. 
And then with Longoria, I just, I don't, I'm not very optimistic. Had him in my, my bust category in my, in my notes for this podcast. I, you know, had a fairly mediocre batting line in his final year with the Rays, 216 average, 313 OBP, 737 OPS, just 20 home runs in 156 games. And I just, I don't see those numbers bouncing back with half of his games now scheduled for AT&T Park in San Francisco, where it's even tougher to hit homers and you know, than it is at, at Tropicana Field. Yeah, it's a really tough place to hit out there. I, I think there will be maybe a little bit of hype with him because you look at the Giants lineup with like Posey and McCutcheon, but it's, I think obviously a couple of years ago that would have been a super exciting prospect. Um, but at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm not too high on him. Beltre, I think he's going to be money when he's healthy, but I can't ignore the health being a factor with him. Uh, Beltre will be 39 in April. Um, a deeper league name that I'm, I find kind of interesting Colin Moran with the Pirates uh, yep. came over there from the Astros and the Garrett Cole deal, expected to take over starting third base duties. Of course, a former first round pick, six overall back in 2013. It's kind of fallen off the radar as a prospect, but he rebuilt his swing and saw some really good results last year in AAA. Hit 308 with 18 homers and a 916 OPS. Who knows if it'll translate to the majors, but the opportunity will be there in Pittsburgh, and I think he's an interesting lottery ticket at the very least. Yep. Raphael Devers, we should talk about. I mean, eight nineteen OPS, ten homers, thirty RBIs, and in his in his first fifty eight major league games last year, um, and that was all at age twenty. He's, he's just twenty one, so there's you can talk yourself in, into him being a pretty good value too, depending on where he falls, depending on if you're drafting with Red Sox fans. <laughs> well, he, he he cooled down after. Remember, he had that really amazing yep. start to his career. Cooled down a bit after that, but as you said, he's still super young. I mean, he just turned 21 in October. Another guy where I think there could be some growing pains, and the Red Sox will maybe protect him at certain points when Dustin Pedroia comes back. They could kind of mix and match their options there. Um, so they with, they did just re-sign Eduardo Nunez exactly. too. So so if Devers, you know doesn't get off to a great start, which is a very distinct possibility. Maybe they put him back in the minors for a bit. It's possible, yeah. But I think, you know, the sky's the limit for Devers, and, and someone long-term you have every reason to be really high on, but we'll see how things go. Yeah. Um, um, any, I, I was going to say, yeah, well, I think if there's one Diamondbacks player most likely to be negatively affected by the new humidor at Chase Field, it's probably Jake Lamb, um, who – I had, you know, I think he would have been like a top 12 guy, but I, now I have him 15th. Um, you know, his fantasy value is just so much based on power. He did put up 30 home runs and 105 RBIs in 149 games last year, but with some experts guessing there will be a 25 to 50% drop in homers because of the humidity-controlled storage of baseballs in Arizona – I might let somebody else pay for those enticing numbers that that he posted last year. Yeah, I have him 16th, but I, I kind of feel iffy about that. Um, I had Todd Frazier right behind him at 17th, and I think I might be underselling Todd Frazier. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a batting average asset, but you know he can hit for similar power as Lamb, and he can also steal a few bases. So I think Frazier can be a useful mixed league guy, even though he's fallen a bit from where he used to be. Yeah, I, I had Frazier 18th, um, and, and I was as we were you know, as we were prepping for this podcast today. I was trying to find a way to move him up, but 
I, I just couldn't really talk myself into it. But I like his situation plenty. Sh- should hit a lot of homers, and, and the RBI should be there. Um, another guy, deeper, deeper option, Matt Duffy with the Rays. Sounds like someone we really haven't talked about in a while. He basically missed the entire 2017 season with Achilles issues, ended up playing just three minor league rehab games. But apparently he's healthy now, and he's going to take over at third base now that Evan Longoria is in San Francisco. Duffy had double-digit homers and steals as a rookie in 2015, hit 295 that year. So there could be some decent upside. He's multi-position eligible. So I think he could be a useful piece in deeper leagues if he's healthy. Yeah, Miguel Andahar is a guy I, I wrote down. Um, I'm less high. You know, the, he's the Yankees' big third base prospect who hit the ball really well between AA and AAA last year and, and was maybe going to be in line to be their opening day third baseman this year. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed, um, honestly. But Yeah, but the Yankees acquired Brandon Drury, who's going to play third base. And I think it's probably better for Andujar's long-term outlook that, that he gets more seasoning in the minors. Um, but yeah, he's probably not a guy I would, I would draft in drafts this spring. Maybe someone I, I look to spend some waiver wire cash on, uh, when he does finally come up and if there's a spot for him to get every day at bats. Yeah. I could definitely see Drury kind of shifting into that utility role and Andrew Hart mm-hmm. taking over at some point. So I wouldn't give up hope on him just yet. And, and we mentioned Senzel during the show, another guy to watch. Um, that's all I got as far as third base, unless you have anything else. No, I'm, I'm out of it. Cool. Uh, All right. So that will do it for this episode, but not for this week. We have another rankings episode coming soon, this time on starting pitchers and relievers. So keep an eye out for that in the coming days. Spring training games will get underway on Friday. I can't wait. Next week, we'll transition into news about spring training, spring training storylines, breakdowns of mock drafts, actual fantasy drafts, much more. So really looking forward to March. Should be a lot of fun to break that down as we get ready for the season. If you like what you're hearing with this show, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. And also rate and review the show if you get a chance. That would be a big help for us as we try to spread the word about this show. If you like it, please let people know about it. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silv. And we'll see you next time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 